And so before we begin to study the depths of our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of our inheritance is the book of Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so that we, as the participants of the body of Christ, would share together with Christ all that is written about him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on a new way of life. This is the calling of every individual holy person, and if a person will not understand this calling and will bend away from it, he will lose his salvation. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And I want to remind us, if you can imagine for yourself, a person has not put off his former way of life, his old man. And there are mass or many amounts of Christians who don't know anything about this, have never paid attention to this, because all of their goal, all of their focus is, and their confidence is in themselves, that they will receive salvation because they speak in tongues because they wash their feet, because they, without control, bear children, because they wear a a headpiece or a covering on their head, because they evangelize, because they do some kind of good work, because they don't sin in a certain sense. When the old man, jealousy, hatred, rumors and all of these things they corrupt and instead of healing people from jealousy they heal them from cancer from the illness of the stomach all of this is a product of hatred and jealousy you know that even doctors are aware of this that most illnesses almost all illnesses come about we can say yes this is genetic uh, genetical that a person has these uh, in his in his family lines, but because people are angry, they're jealous. They don't want. They can't achieve something. Their nervous system uh, goes out of control, and their system and they're open to various viruses. They need to be healed from jealousy and hatred, from deceit, which they do not see. This is the old man, and so to fulfill this decreeing commandment. We need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on will determine, literally will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or more specifically, will the coming about of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it which will then 
result in our name being forever blotted out of a book of life in a specific format. We have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question and and that specifically is the condition we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person who is created in accordance with God, in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth. We know that this process begins when we begin to proclaim the not existent as existent. When we don't look at what we feel, but what we know and stop to study the condition consisting in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the right that He alone has, reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, so that we can forever thrust Him out from within our body into hell with noise, this old man, and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body not in the heart not in the mind but in the body and the consistency of this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship which will happen and happens when we're casting off our old man this is the most difficult and dangerous time for the children of God so that we can uh, call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our hearts stating the eight names of God and stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and who we are to God in Jesus Christ so that God can receive the legitimate right to battle for our earthly bodies and shame the governing in our body's sin in the form of the old man by the power of his redemption and with noise forever throw him into hell and this will happen here on earth before we meet the coming Lord upon the clouds getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies and for God knowing and confessing the truth revealing the power of his names in the heart of David provided God with the ability to utilize the abilities contained in his eight names in battle against the enemies of David. Specifically, with our mouth, we will justify ourselves and with our mouth, we will condemn ourselves. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. <clears throat> and so our lot, our inheritance, and the eight names of God, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot in the qualities and promises contained in the strength of God Most High and turned to study our lot consisted in the essence of the promise of the name of God, Rock. Here is 
the identification of the word rock in scripture pertaining to the natural qualities of God Most High, as well as the natural qualities of those born from Him from the word of truth, illustrated with the following coloring tints. Rock is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested, rooted, well-established, immovable, continuous, constant, fearless, non-diminishing or non-exhaustive, not able to be penetrated with sin, free from sin, and not per- and not partaking to sin, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And here is the identification of the word rock pertaining to the name of God Most High, and it identifies itself in Scripture as stone, cliff, span, measuring wreath or a rod, heaviness, weights, weight, and scales. This implies a specific weight, allowing you to determine the price and worth of the weighed individual or weighed item. Scale or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God rock is the absolute power and ability of the Most High, identified as His wisdom, to fairly judge or weigh all of the made by Him creation so that each one weighed upon the scale plates of righteousness can receive their punishment or their reward in dependence of their weight. Weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High, which God uses to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of His justice, all the made by Him creation. Therefore, to possess the power contained in the rock of His name is to possess the authority and ability to weigh your words and actions upon the scale plates of the justice of the Most High, as well as the words and the actions of those people who are under our responsibility or we're responsible for. Relevant to this, we stop to study the third question, what price do we need to pay to possess the right to clothe our spirit into the virtue of the rock of the Lord so that God can receive legitimate grounds upon which He can keep us in His perfect peace. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. In a specific format, we already looked at the price of four conditions which, when fulfilled, are called to clothe our spirit into a rock of the Lord and stop to look at the fifth condition. The price of the fifth condition is to rule over yourself by the means of integrating or implementing the order of God into our calling. These are His judgments by the means of righteous judgment. Exodus 18, 21-22 Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them, and let them judge the people at all times. According, accordingly, we yielded four characteristics which we need to have so that our spirit would be clothed into a rock of the Most High, giving us the right to the power to rule over ourselves as well as over those people that we carry responsibility for before God. These are to be an able person, to have the fear of the Lord, to be a person of truth or a fair person, and to hate covetousness. In the previous service, we, in a specific format, already looked at the first three conditions, giving us the right to the power to be clothed into a rock of the Most High, and we'll look today at the fourth condition. Fourth condition, when fulfilled, our spirit will be able to be clothed into the quality of a rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves, and this is to hate covetousness. In the time of the Old Testament, as well as the dawn of the New Testament, the prophets and apostles, being inspired by the Holy Spirit constantly, urged the children of God to uproot covetousness within themselves, inherited from the sinful life of their fathers, and never use fellowship with one another for shameful and dishonest gain which is what many people, Christians, do, or so-called 
children of God. 1 Peter 5, 2-4 Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, I first speak to the authority as the Holy Spirit does here using the mouth of Apostle Paul, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Every one of us carries responsibility for someone. I want to uh, refer to parents and to all leaders. Covetousness is love for money or dependence upon money, which is the root of all evil. When the Holy Spirit using lips, the lips of Apostle Peter called covetousness dishonest, he stated the essence of the quality of covetousness, which is the reason for all of the misfortunes of man on earth. This is amongst the saints as well as the people of the world. In Hebrew, dishonest in the situation is rude, harmful, disgusting, unfortunate, perverse, unrighteous, worthless, damaged, shameful, sinful, deceitful, immoral, unhappy, unstable, suspicious, easily offended or resentful, corrupt, angry, disastrous, malevolent, and bad. All people who do not honor God with their tithes and offerings, this is their portrait. Practically, the characteristics of dishonest gain describes a person who actively partakes in evil acts and is successful in doing evil, for there are many insubordinates. In the first church, there were many insubordinates, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouth must be stopped who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain, Titus 1.10.11. Apostle Paul wrote, wrote this to Titus. Dishonest, in this case, in the New King James Version, New International Version, and filthy in the regular King James, is disgrace, shame, dishonest, infamy, abomination, embarrassment, shamefulness, nakedness, a loss of innocence. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which down men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so the root of all good, then, is freedom from mammon, freedom from the power of money. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. This is 1 Timothy 6, 6-11. through 11. When in scripture it's talking about the first world being flooded with water because their thoughts were evil continually in God's sight, then this means that these, these evil thoughts were the result of their dishonest gain or their greed. 
Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Jude 1, 14-16 You see, everything is linked to money, and the first world perished because they were dependent on this money. To confirm or to to avoid this uh, this problem and to confirm the legitimacy of his delegation to preach the gospel of Christ, Apostle Paul said that fulfilling his calling, he never had a cloak for covetousness. An absence of covetousness is one of the unchanging requirements of allowing people to serve. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 6. In his time, God lamented and revealed by his prophets the dishonest or vile inclinations of leaders of the nation of Israel, who instead of defending the interests of their nation, all without exception, used their position in the interests of their own personal greed or covetousness. (laughs) Isaiah 56, 10 through 11, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs which never have enough, and they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his own gain from his own territory. And so their path is their greed. Everything is done for the sake of their own profits. Not uprooting covetousness by rejecting your nation, the house of your father, and the corrupt desires of your soul, is a road or route leading to eternal perdition. Deception, hypocrisy, and double standards within the character or behavior of of servants in the church is the result of greed or covetousness which they pursue. Also, when talking about covetousness, this also includes pursuing their own fame or their popularity their control. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously, who speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, he hates greed, he despises it, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ear from hearing of bloodshed. Bloodshed means when people spread rumors about one another and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Isaiah 33, 14 through 16. Here it's talking about the bread of life and the water of life. When emissaries of mammon cloaked in a garment of 
in quote, servants of the Lord who actively pull out individual places of scripture and give them different meaning, convincing people that materialistic success means an independence from the spirit of poverty and as a level of their spiritual maturity, they pursue the interests of this vile and shameful covetousness within their relationship with God and with one another to escape and not pursue this dishonest and shameful covetousness in your relationship with God and with one another. It is necessary to incline your heart to the testimonies of the Lord by being instructed in faith. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Psalm 119.36 and so there are two uh, two to choose from, either the testimonies of the Lord or covetousness. They can't be friends with one another. If you seek the covetousness, <clears throat> then the testimonies of God will be hidden uh, from you. They, they are given to those who meditate, look for them, hunger for them, want them, and fulfill the conditions to be able to receive them. Because you can't hunger the revelations of God and at the same time hunger money to be wealthy. In the given call, inclining our heart to the testimonies of the Lord is contrary to us inclining our hearts to covetousness. Specifically, what our heart will be inclined to is what will be our our stronghold, our cover, our trust, our treasure, our goal, and our worship. Therefore, first, to incline your heart to the Lord's testimonies means acknowledge the authority of the preached word over yourself in the form of the person who is clothed into the authority of a father of God and his helpers who are in one spirit with him. Second, to incline your heart to the Lord's testimonies means pay the price for the right to the power to place these seeds of the word of truth into the good soil of your heart. Third, to incline your heart to the Lord's testimonies means confess the truth of the word with your mouth placed into your heart as your possession. Fourth, to incline your heart to the Lord's testimonies means dedicate the members of of your body to voluntary servitude to the confessed truth and hallow this truth within your heart. And fifth, to incline your heart to the Lord's testimonies means be vigilant and stand guard of your dedication to the truth, to the revelations, by the armor of continual and absolute sanctification, protecting this truth from foreign interference. And understandably, the given components without the preliminary cleansing of your conscience from dead works will not only be illegitimate, but will also be impossible. The prophets of the Lord became angry because the nation of God, instead of inclining their heart and their thoughts to the testimonies of the Lord, they inclined their hearts and thoughts to covetousness and poured out the wrath-fury of the Lord upon the carriers of this dishonest and shameful covetousness. To whom shall I speak and give warning, this is what Jeremiah writes, that they may hear their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. I will pour it out on the children outside and on the assembly of young men together. Who who is he pouring out this wrath? Upon these lawless people, upon the young men that are lawless. For even the husband shall be taken with the wife, the the aged with him who is full of days, and their houses shall be turned over to others, fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord, 
because from the least of them even to the greatest of them everyone is given to covetousness and from the prophet even to the priest everyone deals falsely they have also healed the hurt of my people slightly saying peace peace when there is no peace were they were they ashamed when they had committed abomination no they were not at all ashamed nor did they know how to blush therefore they shall fall among those who fall at the time i punish them they shall be cast down says the lord jeremiah 6 10 through 15 it is specifically because of dishonest and vile covetousness that the overshadowing cherubim fell and has forever become the enemy of God, having condemned himself to eternal suffering in the lake of fire burning with fire and brimstone. It is because of dishonest and vile covetousness that God did not accept Cain and his offering. This is because Cain did not seek the face of the Lord in his offerings, but instead materialistic blessings. It is because of covetousness that Balaam fell, who heard and saw the revelations of the Lord, but replaced the revelations of the Lord for dishonest gain and covetousness. It is because of covetousness that Judas Iscariot fell and forever lost his virtue as an apostle because it is specifically due to covetousness that he became a thief and betrayed his Lord to die a shameful death. In you, they take bribe to shed blood. You take usury and increase. You have made profit from your neighbors by extortion and have forgotten me, says the Lord God. Behold, therefore, I beat my fists at the dishonest profit which you have made, you at the bloodshed which was be, which has been in your midst can your heart endure or can your hands remain strong in the day when i shall deal with you i the lord i have spoken and will do it i will scatter you among the nations disperse you throughout the countries and remove your your filthiness completely from you you shall defile yourself in the sight of the nations then you shall know that i am the lord ezekiel 22 12 through 16. And now let's turn to the sixth condition, the price of the sixth condition for the right to possess the state of the rock of God within your spirit consists in the words of our mouth and the thoughts of our heart being acceptable before God. Psalm, one, Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. You see, he turns to God and says that he is a strength. And so the words of the mouth and meditation of the heart can be acceptable when the Lord is, is, is your rock, he is your strength, he's your redeemer. In the given condition, the right to possess the quality of a rock of God within your spirit, it is necessary that the words of our mouth and the thoughts of our heart can work as a team before God or as two well-trained and well-ridden horses, harnessed into one. They are called to deliver the faith of our heart to the appointed addressee, who is God, our rock, and our deliverer. Considering the fact that the thoughts that we form in our mind, they then come out of our mouth. And so our mind and our lips need to work as a team, and this can only happen when you renew your mind and when your mouth is pure. Considering that wo words which we speak are called and are able to justify us to give us eternal life or to condemn us to eternal hell, it becomes critical to know 
What are we supposed to know about the mystery and might of the nature and purpose of our words and our thoughts? When fulfilling what conditions are our words and our thoughts then able to be acceptable before God? What characteristics do words possess which we continuously use to communicate with God and with one another? How are we to treat the words and receive the words coming from the mouth of God and words written in the Holy Scriptures? How are we to treat the words of God spoken by the Apostle and Prophet and how are we supposed to receive their words? How are we to treat our own words and the words of other people who are turned against us as well as those who support us? With what instruments are we able to examine our words and our thoughts to be confident that they are acceptable to God and are in accordance with the demands of the truth of Scripture? Or how are our words and thoughts called to be so that we can provide God with the ability to clothe our spirit into the rock of His name? And what are we supposed to personally undertake so that our words and our thoughts would function as one team or as one command? Because according to the words of the being studied by us text, we conclude that only acceptable words and thoughts before the face of God are able to be clothed or are able to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Lord, which is the key opening the door to the inheritance of perfect peace. Specifically for the ignorance and lack of desire coming from our personal opinions and our personal importance, the ability to understand the power or the powerful impact and might of our words and thoughts of our life and life of those dependent upon us and drawn to us for the bigger part of, of the saved nation, this ability to be ability to be a priest will forever be rejected or declined before God and they will irre irreversibly lose their salvation. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also re will reject you from being priest to me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget you and your children, Hosea 4, 6. And so the, the promises that you had bore uh, because you have rejected knowledge and we received knowledge in words. We forsake these words. We hear them, but we don't value them. Hosea 4, 6. Knowledge about God called to consist within our words and our thoughts are present within the following four. Who God is to us in Jesus Christ. What God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Who we are to God in Jesus Christ. And what are we supposed to do to inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Apprehending these four fundamental and destiny impacting for us disciplines is something we can achieve in only one way and that is with the word of God which comes out of the mouth of God spoken by the chosen and placed by him people to whom he has entrusted his word so that they may be his lips and carriers of the revelations of his word for all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us 2 Corinthians 1.20 and so it means the apostles and prophets <clears throat> and so only hearing the words of these people, not just hearing words of anyone, but hearing the words of these people whom God places. And so if in church, in churches, there aren't such people, but just those that have self-appointed themselves, saying that the Holy Spirit has placed them or sent them, that they had a revelation, or people who uh, have vote, a person maybe who has been voted for, 
and placed into power, they will never receive the revelations of God. They will not understand the depths of, of, of Scripture. And everything they say, they will be producing with their mind. They will try to understand the Scriptures with their mind, and they will uh, resist God and will condemn themselves and will condemn those that also follow them. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works, righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Acts 10.34-36 He sent to the children of Israel the word through Jesus Christ, which then the Apostle Peter and other apostles and even today teach, which the church does not see. The church only seems to see Episcopals. The status of an Episcopal is a, is a status of a deacon. These are not pastors. An Episcopal is uh, uh, below in, in rank of a pastor because a pastor is an apostle and a pastor is always an Episcopal, but Episcopal is not always a pastor. An Episcopal is an overseer that assists the pastor. These are leaders that help and assist. And these people have decided uh, that they will not have an Apostle, but will uh, take the, the title of an Episcopal instead. Specifically obeying the preached word coming from the mouth of those people whom God foreknew and predestined to be his lips and carriers of his extraordinary revelations of his word containing the good goals of God consisting of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ within our body the stronghold of eternal life will be erected or will reign so that just as we carry the image of the corrupt body we can now carry the image of the heavenly body before we of course will meet the Lord upon the clouds. According to the words of Christ, the ability to receive, keep, and grow the seed of the preached word within your heart, spoken by his messengers, words are seeds, which his messengers will pass on to us depend upon three factors. Our ability to receive, keep, and grow will, deter will depend upon having good soil in your heart, cleansed from dead works by the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ, the ability and readiness to incline our ear to listen to the preached word about the rule uh, or the erection of the kingdom of heaven within our body and keeping this word in a good and pure heart. Third, the ability and readiness to produce the fruit of righteousness in patience. And all of this can happen uh, having a renewed mind and a pure mouth. But the one that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Therefore take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be, ta will be taken from him. Luke 8, 15-18 Here in this book, Apostle Luke talks about, he speaks the words of Christ, which he heard from Paul. Because Luke, he was a companion, he was a friend of Luke, and he spoke everything that he heard from Paul, and he always walked with Paul. He was his helper, he, was a, he served him, and he was a famous uh, doctor of that time, of the, of the East. The phrase, take heed how you hear, means take heed how you obey the heard word spoken by my servants. 
Jeremiah 26, 4 through 6. And you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, If you will not listen to me to walk in my laws which I have set before you, to heed the words of my servants, the prophets whom I send to you, both rising up early and sending them, but you have not heeded, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and will make the city a curse to all the nations of the earth. And this did happen. And even today you can see it. Today, Jerusalem, the physical Jerusalem, is still cursed. And the spiritual Jerusalem, in its most part, is also cursed. Because the spiritual Jerusalem is the church of the living God, which is overfilled with people whose lips are unclean and whose thoughts are unclean. To listen to the preached word means receive them into the good soil of your heart and make an oath covenant with these words, confirming these words by confessing them as the faith of your heart. It is specifically our proper behavior when it comes to confessing the promises of God, identifying a covenant between God and man, which will determine whether our salvation happen or if it will be lost. But I say to you that for every idle word man may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12:36-37. We've more than once noted that idle words is confessing with our mouth the statutes of God that are not the faith of our heart, because they are not imprinted upon the tablets of our heart, and the reason is because the soil of our heart is not able to receive seed of the word of truth, as it is not cleansed from dead works. At the same time, the heart that is cleansed from dead works is able to, by meditating and confessing the statutes of God, to offer sacrifices of praise to God and pay your vows to the Most High and call upon Him in the day of trouble, which will then allow God to deliver us from the slavery of sin. Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? When you saw a thief, you consented with him, and you have been a partaker with adulterers. You have you have given your mouth to evil, and your tongue f- uh, frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you you who forget God, lest I tear you into pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Psalm 50, 14 through 23. The one who orders his conduct aright is one who watches after his watches his mouth, watches what he he says or speaks. What do we need to know about the mysterious and powerful nature and purpose of our words and our thoughts, and what characteristics do words possess which we continuously use to communicate with God and with one another? Words in their original nature are invisible and eternal and belong to the fourth dimension or fourth realm, forming the three realms and directing the existence of of these three realms. Words is the mystery of sounds that, due to their natural essence, cannot be seen but are able to be heard and understood with the heart. 
Words in their nature possess different amounts of weight and status of different virtues, as well as can be lighter than emptiness. Words in their nature possess scent, a pleasant fragrance, as well as a foul scent, independence of the wellspring they come from. Words in their in their nature move at different levels of speed toward the one that they address. Words in their nature is a boomerang that always returns to the one who speaks them. Words in their nature possess different taste, beginning with sweet, sour, salty, and venomous. The one and same words, but coming from two different wellsprings, can possess different levels of weight, speed, color, and taste. Words are demonstrators of our thoughts or the attempt to conceal true motives of our mind. Words possess either the power of eternally existing life-giving energy or power of eternally existing deadly energy and independence of the wellspring it exists in or it lives in, it will either possess the order of eternal life within itself or the order of eternal, eternal death within itself. Words is the atmosphere and natural potential of eternal life as well as the atmosphere and natural potential of eternal death. Words is food, military armor that has no analogies, the tools of a gardener, instruments and means of a builder and an architect, the brushes and paints of an artist, the head of a surgeon, medicine and poison. Words independence of the wellspring they come from can be bitter can be a bitter cold as well as a dry scorching heat, can warm you from the cold and can cool you from the heat. They can inflict wounds and they can heal. Words can clothe a person into joy and sorrow, they can calm a person and anger a person, can bring happiness and satisfaction, as well as bring a heavy form of depression, can raise from the dead and condemn to death or make dead. The words of God is the light of life containing the favor of God for man and a deadly shadow scaring man with hauntings of hell. The origin of, origin of words is inherent to the origin of God allowing us to know ourselves in the spoken by Him words. Words which we speak, they are judges, they measure us, weigh us, judge us, condemn us, and justify us. Words is a study which we apprehend something we continue learning all of our lives and does not have boundaries and is infinite. Words were, are, and will always be a phenomenon, greatly unknown and not comprehensible with our mind. Mystery, which brought about our existence, identifies it and keeps it. When I began to meditate about this, this is how it was pouring from, and this is how I was just writing it. Uh, without too much effort, I was just listing all of this that was in my heart and what the Holy Spirit had opened up, the knowledge. Identifying the initial creative word, which brought forth the visible from the invisible and was first sounded in the infinite realm of the visible universe, is the governing, commanding, and establishing word, let. In Hebrew, the meaning of this first resounding word, let, that gave birth to the now visible realm from the eternal, eternally existing and invisible identifies the natural essence of the name of God, which has the sure meaning, this word let, or let it be, or let there be. 
And so he commands with his name let, creating an existence or reality, existing in a reality, demonstrating himself in what exists or what is in a reality, keeping what exists or what is real, ruling over what exists or what is real. The first word let, identifying the natural essence of God, is the light of life able to shine light upon all darkness of man that by its eternal nature is almighty or with all potential all-powerful, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-perfect, all-wise, containing eternal life and in, is an eternal, undimming light. The commanding, creating an initial phrase, the words coming out of the mouth of God, let there be, made from the invisible, the visible, and was addressed by Christ to his students, which we can see in the Gospels of both Matthew and John. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes that you may be, let there be light, may be, for he makes a sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust, therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, 45 and 48. <clears throat> and so this word, as it is, Jesus uh, used it uh, uh, toward his students, that you may be or let there be, and so they confess this, this non-existent as existent, their perfection, and in this way they allowed the Holy Spirit the ability to bring them to perfection. John 12, 35, 36, Then Jesus said to them, While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. John 12, 35, 36. <clears throat> and so, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, or that you may be the light, these are identical. The best minds of humankind, which always and at all times laid claim to the right and ability to determine the creation and purpose of all that happens, which occurs in our existence, but don't understand that the existence of these occurrences or events owe their existence to the words of God, which come out of the mouth of God. And when they begin focusing on the beingness or existence of word, then regardless of their religious affiliation, they cannot as much determine the mystery of the word as much as they can only identify the results of it, which in their opinion come from the word. I will bring forth some of them, and afterwards we will pay attention to the revelations and wisdom of Scripture so that we can study the path upon which the words of our mouth and thoughts of our heart can be first, a team or a command, and second, can be a acceptable before God. I won't name all of the people that wrote these, uh, the men of learning and poets, uh, politicians, I will just read um, <clears throat> uh, what they said. The only fruit of supernatural work of the greatest wise men of the world within the span of 60 generations is the word, the word, and nothing but the word. A half of a word belongs to the one who speaks it and the other half to the one who hears it. The power of words is limitless. A fortunate word was often enough to stop an army that is coming in a hurry, transform an attack into a victory and save a country. These are people, they're uh, <clears throat> not defining the words but the results. They're not able to identify the, the words themselves, but just results of words <clears throat> and what, what they bring bring about. 
Michael Lermontov, a, a Russian poet, we actually sing a song in melody. There is a grace, graceful sound in the living word that is spoken, and there is bre- breath of a not understood holy marvel in it. And, and he continues to write, uh, uh, we actually sing this, uh, this poem, and this poem it absolutely corresponds to the word and how prayer impacts a person. Lermontov, this is how prayer affected him. When he would begin to pray, that's uh, how it would impact him. Stupid use of words is sometimes the reason for large errors as well as ignorance. Words for man are just a replacement. A person thinks and knows much more than the thoughts and knowledge that he speaks out loud. Words are without guilt and helpless in the dictionary, but they become a powerful tool of good and evil in the hands of man who knows how to use them. To the one that throws a word, it seems light, but to the one who receives this word, is it is heavy. They, again, identify results. Yeah, I just said it. I just said I just said this, but the way you affected someone sometimes with these words can be different. Words are the only thing that will remain forever and will exist for generations. Words is just a small element bundling up big feelings and goals, which we do not speak out loud. Words are used by a man so that he can hide his thoughts. Words are similar to leaves. There are many who state them, but it produces very little fruit. You see the the wisdom of these people. There are different words, <clears throat> and so words in that example, words there are like leaves, and so there are many leaves. They don't produce much fruit. Actually, in scripture, it's pretty similar. There are different words. Those when chimed is as if they sink you in water. From them the head spins, and from many the ears fade. Words is a scary thing. You can use them in vain, but you cannot use them in vain. They are living energy, and therefore they unescapably impact the soul of the people stating them. Words are weight. Words until this day is an unremovable oppression, or it will push you against the earth, or you will kill an enemy with it. We are not given the ability to foresee how our words will be perceived, and we are given compassion as we are given grace. If anyone who studied, uh, especially in the Soviet church, uh, schools, uh, they often had uh, poems that were similar to this. Words are wood logs, warms our chest, burns our flames of thought. The soul is inquisitive, as the chest is always drowning in words. No discipline and the use of words lead to self-will in one's actions. Any word without action is nothing and empty. Words are better than the pale shadow of the countless thoughts that stir in our head. When striving for the truth, the deepest thoughts always unite with the simplest words. We find better thoughts by seeking the correct word. If you want to state a word, then understand the truth behind it every minute. This was a... a, an academic Pavlov, people waste a significantly larger number 
larger number of words in order to conceal their thoughts rather than to reveal them. And so people uh, use more words pretty much to conceal what their thoughts are than to reveal them. I do not plan to deny that the power of words of, of beauty or deceit as the power of money can prompt all feelings from betrayal to honor. And so you can continue uh, finding these, but there are many uh, uh, statements that were made by, by academics and others in the world. And so if you've paid attention, not one of the red statements identified the word of the wellspring from which the word comes. The statements or sayings of the wise men of the world can only determine or identify the result that these words bring or produce. More than that, they were not able to comprehend with their mind the mystery of the origin of the word. Although all were familiar with the work of one of the fishermen by the name of John, who in short definitions provided exhaustive answers to the origin of words. Why did not they not use this opportunity? Speaking of the word, none of them, they all read, read this uh, a book of John. Many are Christian. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John 1, 1 through 5. You see how short and deep and uh, captivating a uh, couple of verses that speak of, word, of the word. In essence, the word of God is information which once consisted in the entrails of God in the format of good and creative thoughts. You see how it would sound in the original. Because here we keep seeing just word, 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 but these words, uh, in, in some areas it's the thought and in others it's the living word. So here is how you would be able to read it. In the beginning was the thought, and the thought was with God, and the thought identified the essence of God. <clears throat> the thought was in the beginning with God. All in the form of a thought embodied into word was made, and without the thought embodied into word, nothing was made that was made. <clears throat> in the thought embodied into word was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. God's thoughts as well as His words, although they are written in, in the Holy Scriptures by the command of God, they are still in unapproachable light. <clears throat> Access to the realm of the unapproachable light is only something that those that are foreknown or predestined by God have, as well as predetermined by Him chosen remnant from the multitude of the called to salvation. The attempt of the human mind to penetrate the realm of unapproachable light of the mind of God in his written word are condemned to eternal disgrace and shame. The ability of man to think and clothe his thoughts into words makes him a wise creature who is in God's likeness. The ability to speak makes us a wise creature. In the old Slavic language, a wise creature is the same as it is in the Hebrew, a verbal or oral being gifted with speech, contrary to all creation that does not have speech or words. And so a wise creature 
is one that has the ability to, to speak verbal or oral. And if the language of ancient nations, according to the words of writers and linguists, and linguists is a non-exhaustive treasure, then the biblical language is a quintessential of this non-exhaustive treasure. The word that comes out of the mouth of God, spoken by his messengers, is the concealed word, concealed for certain people and revealed to other people. The key to the revelations of the word coming out of the mouth of God, the carriers of which are his messengers, are parables and foresayings in allegories and events of the past, demonstrating themselves in the present and the future. Proverb the proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. Proverbs 1, 1 through 6. According to the given place, we conclude that to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, it is necessary to put on the mantle of a student and pay an appropriate price for your learning. To be clothed into the mantle of a student and in this way receive access to the imperishable treasure of the word of God, which abides forever, it is necessary to be instructed in the faith to then cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living and true God. The price that we are called to pay for our learning is rejecting your carnal form of life in the form of your nation, the house of your father, which gives us then the legitimate right to take up our cross and follow the Lord to the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance of his word. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept in secret from the foundation of the world. Matthew 13, 34, 35. Jesus spoke words in mysteries, in parables. And it was not possible to understand them until, unless the Holy Spirit allowed it, and he allows it only within his order, and, and the order is that there are some readers and others who hear, that listen, who want to listen, who prepare their heart to do so. Therefore, what should the nature and quality of our words and thoughts be, so that they be acceptable before the face of God, and so that they provide God with the legitimate right to clothe our spirit into the rock of His name? Or what do we need to do from our side so that our words and our thoughts can function as a team before the face of God? Before I begin speaking, I will say one thing, that every person becomes a planter and water at the same time. If he doesn't become this, nothing will work. Because when you hear the word, you need to receive it by confessing it, may it be according to your word. And when you say this, you with your words take the seed of the word and you plant it. Although Paul says, I, I'm, I've planted, he planted in the, it because a person collaborates with his words. They become planters and then you water it, you confirm the word in yourself. First that I want us to pay attention to is the requirement to call 
upon God with a pure language. Zephaniah 3.8.9 Therefore wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. My determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms to pour on them my indignation, all my fierce anger, and all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Zephaniah 3.8.9 Interesting how God will destroy with the fire of his indignation. And by doing so, he will give the nations a pure language. In the given prophetic words, it is not referring to the nations of this world, but only to the saved nations to give them the ability to call upon the name of the Lord with a pure language and to serve him with one accord. To give the saved nations a pure, a pure language, it is necessary for God to pour out the flame of his wrath upon the land of the saved nations who sinned before him in Adam. This is upon land, our land, that he needs to pour out his wrath to cleanse it. <clears throat> you remember uh, Prophet Isaiah, his lips, his mouth needed to be cleansed with fire. If you remember, the coal was taken from the fire and he, he the angel accessed his mouth and cleansed it. The symbol of the land of saved nations are our mortal bodies, which contain the program of corruption, which was genetically inherited by us from the sin of Adam in the form of our old man who is a programmable system <clears throat> of the sly serpent who is the fallen cherubim and so that we can become carriers of a heavenly body it is necessary to inherit this heavenly body from the second Adam and to do this it is necessary to subject or expose to judgment the mortal body in the form of the old man with his deeds who receives the ability to rule over us by the words coming out of our unclean mouth and whatever correct words we may say with our unclean mouth they will be accounted to us as idle words the devil deceives people they open up the scriptures and and <clears throat> they start claiming these words for themselves faith is from hearing and not just what you decide to claim and so faith says you need to cleanse first your conscience from dead works and how to cleanse it and again whatever correct words we may say with our unclean mouth they will be accounted to us as idle words <clears throat> unclean mouth symbolizes an unclean and defiled altar and whatever offering of praise you put on this unclean altar it will be defiled these words that we state and so if a born from God person has an unclean mouth he does not have the legitimate right to call upon the Lord and if in this condition he has the audacity to call upon the name of the Lord then he calls on it to his own destruction when a person has an unclean mouth, then his words will always contradict or will be different from his actions. Speaking of love and being of one accord, such a person, due to his carnal ambitions, will always behave in contradiction to love or being of one accord with the rest of the saints. Relevant to this, I will bring forth an example. <clears throat> it is absolutely normal for a boat to be in the water, but it is not normal when water is in the boat. It is absolutely normal when the church is in the world, but it absolutely is not normal when the world is in the church. <clears throat> and it mainly depends on pastors from the sermons that they, they give. 
the ability to call upon God with a pure language, being in one accord with all the saints, are words giving God the ability to cover us from the coming judgment and wrath. <clears throat> Therefore, we need to call upon God in accordance with His instruction. Otherwise, our call to God will be perceived by Him as witchcraft and sorcery. And it does not matter how a person violates these instructions, either due to his ignorance or due to his ambitions. In the one and other situation, a person restores himself against God. Waiting for the erection or rule of the stronghold of life within our body by the rule of the resurrection of Christ does not mean to be in passive waiting or a passive state of waiting. A pure language or clean mouth calling upon the name of God in one accord with all the saints is the result of our active collaboration with the truth and with the Holy Spirit where we invest or input all of the existing in us strength. A person with an unclean mouth is a person who is a fool or a carnal person because he believes every word or accepts rumors or slander about his neighbor and passes it on to other people. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. Proverbs 14.15 When it says uh, the prudent considers well his his uh, words, and so steps are our words. We, we form our steps uh, with our words. The kind of words that you state is what your step is, what, what your path is. And look at how these words are. Are they pure words? Are they from a pure heart? Or have you been trying to cover the thoughts uh, that you have and are just saying something different? When you say, well, this actually fits you very well, and as soon as they turn away, you say something very different in your mind. She's such a fool. Or she has no, no taste. Do you think this is only in the world? No, people in church do this too. And see how different. And so uh, when you speak, they're speaking to a person, they say something, and then in their mind they think different. Or they begin to decide what fits one person and doesn't another. We don't have the right to do either one of those things. We are God's children, and we need to understand that we are all individual. If someone likes one thing, the other will like something different. And so leave them to dress the way they choose. They dress uh, in accordance to their level of, of spiritual growth and, of course, their culture, their intellect, their uh, and the opportunities they have. In result, receiving, uh, in result of receiving and spreading rumors, this boomerang returns to him and strikes him. And if a person will not allow God by being instructed in faith to cleanse his mouth, then he will end up in the city of the silent where no one will care about him. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. And so fools, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He sent His word and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Psalm 107, 17-20. And you see here how God uh, heals a person and saves him. He sends His word, but a person needs to receive that word and testify of this word. When Jesus healed people, they were healed, and then he would, and then he told, would tell them, go and tell others. Why would he say this? Because when they will tell others, they will confirm that healing in them. 
if they will not tell others, they will not confirm it in themselves. In one situation, he did heal and told them not to say anything. This was a very different uh, situation because he saw in man the person needs to confirm this for himself but sometimes we confirm uh, we often will confirm things by telling others by telling others what the Lord has done uh, what has do- the Lord has done in us <clears throat> it's important that what God has uh, done with us we need to proclaim it in prayer to him Stand before God and say what, tell him what he has done for you and who he is to you. Begin saying who he's, he is for you, what he's done for you. In this way, you confirm these things. You plant and you water in this way. Active collaboration with the truth and with the Holy Spirit and cleansing your mouth consists in man making the decision to watch not the mouth of his neighbor, but his own mouth, his own motives, so he not sin with his tongue and discipline his mouth with the bridle of gentleness or bridle of meekness. I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. Psalm 39.1 And the wicked is always before us. He is always vigilant until we bind him. He's always vigilant to use our words against us, to give him the ability to take control of our body with unclean lusts, with unclean thoughts that will begin to overcome us. A person with an unclean mouth due to his carnal state and personal opinions is hasty with his tongue and his prayers to God and does not test his words to make sure they are in accordance with the demands of the truth. Ecclesiastes 5.2 do, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. Or be selective. Be few means when you weigh everything, then you will correctly pray. Sometimes people tell me, after your sermons, I stop praying. I don't even know how to pray. I'm afraid. That's actually a good result. That is already a good result. Because now a person will think before he says anything to God. Don't be hasty when you come before him. A person, as it says, uh, let your words be few, Uh, come and meditate before him. Walk before him and say, Lord, I came into your presence. I want to be in your presence and meditate. Words will come, put them, uh, begin to stack them in your mind. Sometimes I pray, I will make a statement, or if I want to, but I feel like I need to rearrange it, and I, I do that work. I rearrange the phrase the way I want Uh, to say to him so that it's pleasing to him. I don't allow any kind of uh, any kind of space or allowance for the flesh because the flesh always wants to include something in the phrasing or word to provoke God so that he he gives give it something if you understand what I'm saying when we pray and we want to receive something to provoke him so that he give it to us 
we don't want to receive with our faith uh, in faith that everything we need we already have that God has already placed it upon our account in Jesus Christ we have within our bank everything that we need and we need to thank God for what we have and when we will thank him God will allow us to take from this bank how much we need because if we are uh, if God has put everything upon our account but we are not ready to bear all of the weight this is uh, this is weight uh, this inheritance our virtues that we we and it is weight it's not just healing this is a great virtue and is very heavy and responsible and people will not be able to bear it they will begin to become arrogant in their mind I've met people that receiving their healing were going to all churches and uh, telling them what God had done with them and it wasn't that his heart was burning to glorify God he was going to make himself famous he was he was great in his own eyes and so you need to pray so that in your eyes you, you being uh, seeing yourself as nothing before God and so being a planter and water as no, nothing but only God who will grow it what I receive what I confess it is because of God's mercy and so when I pray, I don't allow the flesh any space, any any opportunity to take advantage uh, or to condemn God in some way or use God. Not saying, Lord, do you like to look at my situation the way you see how sick I am? Do you like seeing me like this? How do you how are you looking at me? This is pro- provoking God. You can heal, but He already healed. But a person doesn't want to receive it the way God wants him to. But the person says, well, I don't feel it, but you don't need to feel, you need to know. Faith is knowledge. And God says, I heal in my way, not the way you have decided or planned, according to my word. When you speak, I take it and I say, okay, you're healed. And sometimes God tells a person in his spirit, when he repeats this, he he thanks God for for the healing. God says, you're healed. But physically, he does not feel that he feels pain. But he says, Lord, thank you. And then healing will come. It's sometimes a process. Sometimes it's with the help of a doctor. Sometimes it's without the help of a doctor. In other words, we need to not be hasty with our tongue. Don't provoke God. Be careful with that. You are not dealing with just the Heavenly Father, but as a great judge, God is holy. Be holy also within your prayers. A person with an unclean mouth is a person who is deceitful and bloodthirsty. Judgment is ready for him, and destruction of him does not sleep. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Psalm 5, 6, 7. Here, it's not talking about people of the world. It's talking about people amongst the nation of God that who are who count themselves as the nation of God 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 says that uh, he abhors those who speak deception we need to cleanse our lips we need to cleanse our hearts we need to ask we need to uh, reestablish our covenant with God restore our relationship with him so we can we can have clean a clean mouth many of us have very unclean mouths don't pay attention 
to the words that they state. They just don't pay attention to it because the conscience doesn't judge, so we don't pay attention. And it doesn't judge because it's been burnt out in that area. But you say, well, I do feel when I commit sins. Yeah, the sins uh, that you commit in other areas, your conscience is not burnt out, it still judges you. And so as it is in the house, if a circuit blows or a certain area of the house, the electricity goes out, but the rest of the house may still have light in it, it has electricity, uh, but there's an area and so it burns out. And so they're ugly words, dirty words, bad words that are spoken. But when you restore a relationship with God, when you say, Lord, I want to restore this covenant uh, with my lips, with my mouth, God makes a covenant with with our mouth to have a clean mouth, cleanse your lips. And his fire is the word that I speak right now that will cleanse our lips. And when you restore yourselves in God's eyes, Today, I want to pray together with you about this covenant. The Holy Spirit persistently has been telling me about this, that I pass it on, that you restore your relationship with Him in this area and clean your lips and begin to watch your mouths. And when you say something, after you have restored your relationship with God. Immediately take these words back if you didn't want to say them. Say, Lord, I am not in agreement with these words. I take them back. I, They are not mine. As you know, the centurion told Jesus, you know that I have men under me. I tell one to go, one to come. Just say the words and, and my servant will be healed. You see, words can be sent and taken back. And so, all words we say, they they are addressed to something or someone. We don't just speak to no one. This is a boomerang. They come back to us. The addressee of these words, uh, they come back to us. We speak from our heart, may the Lord bless you, and this word comes back to us. If we tell the wicked and the lawless person, may the Lord bless you, then immediately this words become curses because it cannot bless the wicked or the lawless and it strikes us. The scriptures forbid us. Cursed is the person who blesses the wicked. We need to know who we are blessing. We need to bless only those who are blessed. Maybe they are in sin, but they're not lawless and they're not wicked. They're fighting with this. The lawless person is not one who fights with sin. He has legalized the sin and supports the wicked. And so, God says here, David, he tells, he speaks through David, you shall destroy those who speak falsehoods. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty. And so when it says you shall destroy, why at the great white throne will it be silence? Because God will show each one how he will judge them according to their own words. Your words will condemn you. You, you, with your own words, will condemn yourself when you claim for yourself what you shouldn't have. When you spoke, not according to my truth, you did not obey my truth and continued to pray uh, to me not obeying my truth. And for this, you will be judged. But as for me, David says, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy, not because of my good deeds, but because of the multitude of God's mercy. 
I will come into your house I, in your fear in fear of you I will worship toward your holy temple speaking of the church of the body of Christ because only in the house of God are we able to receive everything we're asking from God and what we need the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ we can only receive in the house of the Lord being members of this house amen let us bend our knees and our heads and we will pray as I said today I want to together with you including myself uh, I want to make a prayer of repentance for the words that I have spoken that did not correspond to the standards of the truth I want my words and your words to be as one work as one team as one command so that your mind your lips be working together and restore that relationship with God in this area Isaiah said I I'm, I'm gonna perish God will not speak with me he saw uh, that his lips were dirty he was living amongst people with a dirty mouth and he himself had a dirty mouth and he realized this and then one of the seraphims took a coal from the fire and accessed his mouth and cleansed it amen let us pray I want you to repeat after me I, I said this will be our mutual prayer together a special prayer Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I open my heart I acknowledge that my words were wrong before you unclean because my words were unclean I regret this forgive me I ask you cleanse my mouth make them clean may my heart be clean and my mind may be renewed I want that my words and my thoughts to bless you and be acceptable in your sight I repent for the ugly words for the dirty words for the deceitful words for the idle words forgive me wash me cleanse me as I am preparing my body for the governance of the stronghold of life and I need a clean mouth I love you I believe in your power and in the blood of your son Jesus Christ and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that my lips are clean that my covenant is restored that you are the God of my covenant and from now on I will watch my mouth help me in this place a guard over my mouth and if I say some kind of incorrect word I will take it back forgive me thank you for the word that I have heard today in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.